Chapter 8 of The Red Cross Girls with the Italian Army This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Red Cross Girls with the Italian Army by Margaret Vanderkook A New Patient Some new patients had arrived at the American hospital during the night, who had been assigned to the care of Nonna Davis. They had been sent to Florence from one of the hospitals nearer the front, in order that they might have more attention showed them. These soldiers were ordinarily expected to recover. Therefore, they were usually difficult patients, and because Nonna Davis had a reputation for keeping the convalescent men more cheerful and more content than most of the other nurses, she was frequently assigned to this duty. However, Nana did not particularly enjoy the task, nor did she think she was so well fitted for it as her hospital superiors considered her. It was now summer, and the heat in Florence was growing difficult to bear when one must be on their feet and at work the greater part of each day. Nana had not slept very well the night before, but this morning, as she came into her ward at about nine o'clock, when her day's work began, she tried to appear as if her own health were a thing no nurse ever had to consider. The poor fellows who had just arrived would probably be worn out from their journey, and some of them dissatisfied with their change of environment. Their particular ward was a long room with beds on either side, but it happened that there were only six new patients who had come in the night before. From one of the new beds to the other, Nana moved quietly. In reality, she was introducing herself and trying to find out as much as she could of the characters of the wounded men and the extent of their injuries before starting upon her actual work. Another nurse, who had since gone off duty, had given the wounded men their breakfast. One of the volunteer male nurses had helped them with whatever toilets they were able to make before the morning visit from the doctor. So most of the new patients were sitting up and appeared remarkably cheerful. In her weeks in Florence, Nonna had succeeded in learning a little more Italian than she had known on her departure from New York. Nevertheless, her efforts to speak Italian properly still afforded many of her soldier patients so much amusement that Nana felt it would be a mistake to learn to speak really correctly. Buongiorno, signora, was always her morning's greeting from each one of the men, and yet Nana had never become so well accustomed to this simple expression, which only means good morning, that she failed to be conscious of its musical sound. Lying over at the farthest end of the room, with one side of his bed alongside the wall, Nana had immediately discovered one of the newcomers among the wounded, who must be in a worse condition than the rest, for he was not sitting up, and his back was turned so that he faced the wall. But she did not go to him until she had spoken to the other man. However, at her buongiorno, signor, he moved so that he could look at her. He turned listlessly, and yet not as if the movement caused him any especial pain. For an instant, Nana stared rather too closely for politeness. 
Then she said so tactlessly that she was ashamed of herself at the same moment. Why, is it you, Mr. Navarro? I didn't know you for a second. Still, although I am awfully sorry you have been hurt, I am glad you are here, in Florence, where my friends and I can help to care for you. Oh, I am not so very badly off. I shall soon cease to give a great deal of trouble, but it is pleasant to find you here. The young Italian answered slowly. Nana noticed that his voice was hoarse and that he spoke with painful difficulty. I am glad of that, Nana returned cheerfully. I shall tell Madame Walewski. I know she will be interested. She is living in a villa near Florence, and perhaps you would allow her to come to see you. But Carlo shook his head. It will not be worth while. You see, I cannot talk to anyone except for a little time. It is my voice, you understand, that is gone. At this the boy, he was not much more than a boy, pulled open his shirt, which had been fastened close about his throat. Then Nana saw, zigzagging across his neck and chest, a long white scar. Moreover, Carlo looked at her with his brown eyes wide open and staring, but without a tremor of his eyelids or a quiver of his boyish mouth. Yet Nana did not answer him, for suddenly she felt that she could endure the sorrow which this terrible war had brought and was hourly bringing into the world not a moment longer. She had seen worse things in the past two years, perhaps heard sadder stories than Carlo's, but today it may be her nerves were worn out or she was more tired than usual, for she now found herself fighting the impulse to cry out in rebellion against the news which this poor boy had just confided to her. Why should his hurt come in the one place that would make all his future desolate for him? Nana knew she murmured something about hoping he might be mistaken and that surely something could be done for him later. Then she knew that she turned quickly away and almost ran out of the ward into the comparative seclusion of the hall. Once out there, she allowed the rebellious tears to run unchecked down her face. Yet, remembering where she was, she clenched her hands together so that she would make no outward sound. It was thus Dr. Latham found her. What is the matter, Miss Davis? He demanded more brusquely than he often spoke to Nana. If you are having an attack of nerves, you had best go to your room. I have been telling you recently that you were overworking and must rest. We have too much on our hands here to have our nurses break down. Which speech made Nana just sufficiently angry to brace her up, and this was probably what Dr. Latham intended. However, she told him what she had just heard. It seems so terrible to me that the boy must keep on living, Dr. Latham, with his wonderful gift gone. He once told me that his mother and father kept a little Italian fruit shop in New York. I suppose that is all Carlo has left to look forward to now, tending the little shop, instead of fame and wealth and happiness. There are many of us who must give up our dreams, Miss Nana, the big doctor answered grimly, but Nana did not feel that he was unsympathetic. 
I'll see the young fellow, he added the next instant. I am sorry I was a bit hard on him, all for nothing but an attack of nerves. Certainly he has given his best to his country. But the main thing just now, Miss Nana, is that you must have a rest. A few weeks ago, we would not have had you breaking down over one boy's story, no matter how tragic. Better get your belongings together. I am going to see about your being allowed a holiday and telephone out to your friend, Madame Valesky, to expect you. But I am not willing to leave. I have just told Carlo Navarro I wanted to help take care of him. Perhaps I could be just a tiny bit of help to him right now, Nana protested. Dr. Latham frowned. Wait until I have seen the young fellow. Perhaps we may be able to arrange for his comfort as well. If he can be moved, don't you think your friend would take him in? But Nana could only shake her head in a kind of faint-hearted protest at the doctor's unexpected program. It really did sound too agreeable for her to feel sure that it would not mean unfaithfulness to her duty. However, 48 hours afterwards, Nana found herself comfortably settled at Sonia's lovely villa and occupying the bedroom adjoining her friends. Such details as securing her holiday from her work at the hospital, even to the informing of Sonia when to expect her, had been carried out by the doctor. Moreover, he also appeared to have influenced Sonia to consent that the young Italian musician be sent out to the Villa Felice as soon as he was able to be moved from the hospital. As a matter of fact, Sonia had not the heart to refuse this second request. She was too deeply distressed by hearing of the boy's tragedy not to wish to do whatever was in her power to help. That in so short a time, Carlo should accidentally have made so many appeals upon her made him seem, in a way, her responsibility. But it would be little that an outsider could do to make him happier. To Carlo Navarra, the loss of his exquisite voice and all that it would have meant toward securing a great future was a misfortune too great for any stranger to offer consolation. However, Sonia realized that, as she was to have Nana with her at the same time, the two of them together could surely make life a little pleasanter for Carlo than if he were left at the hospital. But she was glad to have Nana to herself for a few days before admitting anyone else into her oddly complicated household. End of chapter 8 Recording by Gagnon Courchene, Montréal